We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Recorded live. All right, all right, all right. So this is uh, Tony Veer and Esther Balmino. We are uh, doing uh, session four of the six sessions of Happily Ever After. Uh, today's uh, conversation, oh, by the way, today is uh, Wednesday, December 9th. It is uh, a little after 8 o'clock, 8.10 to be exact, because we like to clear before we get on the call. You know, sometimes you don't want to say stuff you want to, that you, don't, you don't want to record stuff you don't want to hear, you know, six months from now. So uh, that's why we do that. And, um, and so we're jumping right in. So uh, how about if you share your uh, breakthrough that you was uh, telling me about um, from last week's uh, work? Well, we are talking about how every relationship has a a business aspect to it. And then there's like a the space between people, which is like it, it has to be cared for with the same delicacy as if it were an infant. Yeah. So there's the baby and the business. And the, the insight that I got was that I'm pretty good with the business, but I have not even been aware of the baby part, let alone tending it. Totally got that. And, and hey. so as I, as I reviewed mentally the relationships, the romantic relationships I've been in, as well as a number of friendships that have just slipped away. It's like I was intending the baby. Yep, not managing the emotions. Totally got it. Mm-hmm. So what I want to also put in is that the business side is inside of the relationship too. Uh, even though you're you know better at it, um, it's still uh, inside of managing the relationship itself. You know, and so today, so just to, so let me see how can I say this. Not uh, the five the biggest things that get in the way of great relationships. Uh, I'll just say them again because I like to repeat them at the beginning of each session, which is not knowing who you are, not understanding gender differences, not managing emotions, uh, which we're going to talk about today, structural and other breakdowns, and then miscommunication will be next week. What happens is this is actually even simpler than that. So relationships are simple once you understand the uh, – the, the topics, the what they have in common, the st- structure of it, it becomes simple. Not easy, but it is simple. And so not knowing who you are is fundamental. you got to know yourself. You have to have an empowering relationship with yourself. You have to know what you know about yourself so that you make decisions you're going to be happy with long after you make the decision. You're still going to be happy with what you got after you get it, <laughs> mm-hmm. right, which is one of the problems with people that don't know who they are. They'd be like, I didn't think I, I didn't. I thought I was gonna like this better, you know. So they 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 get what they want, and then they're mad, you know. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you've seen it, we've seen it, we all seen it. That's one of the reasons why somebody who knows who they are can't be with someone who doesn't. 
So walking the planet, you've got people who either know who they are together, they both know who they are, or they both don't know who they are, and they don't know that they don't know who they are. And so they have a very unstable relationship because the, their decisions, they don't know the decisions are going to work or not until after they get it. And by then, it's kind of too late, you know, the Titanic and thinking and all of that. So <laughs> it's, it's heavy, you know, but once you understand it, um, you know, you've got access to making this really work. And the second piece is not understanding gender differences. It's not like you have to be a master of gender. You just need to know that men and women think differently. And in their differences, you know, comparing yourself to your partner, you will learn yourself better by seeing who you're not. You know, and so, like, you know, he's calm, I'm not calm, you know, um, you know, she's, you know, smart. I'm kind of like on the slower side. I like doing stuff. I don't like thinking or whatever. You know, like you mm-hmm. discover yourself in comparison too. And, you know, as long as there is a mutual agreement, which, you know, we're going to talk about in the next two sections, this one and the next one, you'll see what the um, fundamental uh, conceptual agreement that you have with each other and how you're going to operate with each other, you know, over time. And then mm-hmm. – um, the third thing is that's the baby in the, in the uh, business part, and that is um, knowing who needs to take care of what. And you know, I like the way I like to say it is who's in charge of what and when. Mm. Because you can be in charge of finances except for when it's time for him to be in charge of finances because you're not available or you know if there's a piece of finance that he understands better, so he's got a chunk of the, the, the he's got that chunk for just to in charge. But right now he's in charge, or who's driving now? He might be in charge of the drive, but you want to you feel like driving most of its weight from you know from from Pennsylvania to, to Phoenix, and so you know he might drive two thirds, but he's still in charge. Because as soon as you don't feel like driving, he's driving again, like whatever, right? You have to mm-hmm. know who's mm-hmm. in charge of what and when, right? So you're balancing that out. Um, and when people understand that as a concept, it's really a lot easier to be able to work together, to play together. It's amazing with that. So now you don't care. It's like, you know, okay, uh, it's my turn, you know, kind of like that. It's my turn rather than, uh, it's, you know, my responsibility. So, yeah. um, So that's the whole thing about – you take care of the relationship, and then him, he takes care of you, and then the relationship in that order. Uh, and it works, like, amazingly well. And then um, inside of the baby and the business part, when I talk about not managing emotions, that's the baby part, which you got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Now we're going to talk about the, the, the business part, which is structural and other bank breakdowns. We're going to go over that today because that's the other piece of the relationship piece. And then, uh, then like next week we go over communication and you know that like that. So I just want to like ground you further in these different sections so you can really see how like it'll become simple, not easy. And and as you learn, you'll be able to say, oh, that's an emotional issue, or oh, that's a structural issue. And then you just go back to this those areas and think about how you want to handle it. So you know, I wanted to summarize it again, and I will do that again at the end because then I'll be able to tie it all together and make it, make okay. it simple. So, mm-hmm. I swear to God, at the end, I'm, I, I'm always ready to cry at the end because I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the relationship of your dreams with the partner of your dreams, and, and everything will sound even simpler at that point. But anyhow, moving forward, here we go. We are now going to be talking about structural and other breakdowns. Oh, I'm sorry, by the way, anything you want to say about what I just said before I move forward, or are you good? I'm good. Okay, good, great. 
okay, structural and other breakdowns. The reason structural or other breakdowns can and usually do get in the way of relationships is that they draw attention to negativity are almost always a surprise, I should say shock, to the individuals in the relationship and take away from other areas of the relationship, such as money, time, and commitments. Lack of structures create the space for a lack of workability. Lack of workability creates lack of trust, freedom, safety, security, and success. What's worse, the impact occurs unconsciously and automatically. Lack of physical communication, agreement, structural, and other forms of, uh, of, of breakdowns or disagreements undercut the emotional environment of relationships in ways that only creating or restoring workability can take care of. Will you so, say that last thing again? I wasn't really okay. listening. Okay, great. Lack of physical communication, agreement, structural or other forms of workability or other types of breakdowns that get in the way of disagreements even undercut the emotional environment of relationships in ways that only creating or restoring workability can restore. So let me give it to you. Let me give it to you in plain language. Structural breakdowns, whether it's an agreement, whether it's a mechanical failure, it gets all over the relationship, and I mean literally. So you're minding your business, and let's, I use, I, let's say you're driving, and, you know, the car gets a flat. Your husband is driving, and you get a flat. And you're on the highway, right? It is, there's no exit, like, for at least a couple of miles, right? So you pull off to the side, and the likelihood a woman is going to be scared, you know, fearful for safety and security reasons. You know, some crazy cop going to come by or is somebody going to accidentally smash us because we're sitting here and they fell asleep at the wheel or whatever kind of fears and concerns you're going to have. It might be fear or concern that you're not going to get to where you're going to go on time. Maybe you're not worried about physical concerns, you know, physical safety. Probably, mm-hmm. maybe not, right? You might just be too focused on where you're going, you know. Mm-hmm. And then on, so you have safety security concerns or whatever's thinking. It's like these things can't go wrong. Trouble. <laughs> so you automatically focus in on your focus as a as a, as a female of the gender persuasion, right? Um, and so <laughs> I don't know how I said I can't wait to hear how I just said that. But anyhow, as a woman, you're going to be <laughs> it's not a weird, you know. What I'm <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So anyhow, um, <laughs> okay, moving right. Yes. Yeah, thank you, thank you. You know, humorous aside, work too, you know. So um, you're over there thinking about safety and security, but the man doesn't think safety and security. He's over there thinking about success. So, okay, I'm going to get this out of here as quick as possible. we got places to go, people to see, things to do, you know, whether it's to get to, you know, the party or the picnic on time or, you know, to get somewhere where you can pick up a check, whatever he's thinking. He's like, i got to accomplish this goal. This thing is in the way of my goal. Where you're over there saying, this is in this is this is the source of breakdown that I hate. So now you start talking about the flat. You're talking about the tire. He's talking about the tire. You're talking about what's going to go wrong. He's talking about what's going wrong. You're using the same language, but for different reasons. And so you don't have a fundamental understanding of each other's concerns. And so now it turns into an argument, which turns into miscommunication. And 
and the argument is a emotional upset, which is damaging the culture, the emotional culture of the relationship. And then, of course, you have miscommunication because you think you're communicating, but you're not because you're talking about safety and security. You're not even using the terms, but in your mind, as to what you see. He's over there talking about being successful, and every time you tell him what's going wrong, he's hearing it like, yeah, but, but I'm trying to do my best. Come on, I'm trying to be successful here. So your complaints about taking care of safety and security lands on him like you're telling him he's failing. So you have that automatically. So what has happening is when you have a breakdown, it affects the breakdown. It affects the emotions. It likely uh, uh, kicks in, you know, gender differences because you're having two different conversations even though you think you're having one, and which, which you know, smashes up the, uh, the emotion, you know, I mean, the, uh, the communication. Emotional break, I mean, uh, breakdowns damage damn near everything in a relationship all at once. Bam. Shock. And it's a shock on top of it. <laughs> so you want to know how to handle breakdowns in a relationship because if you don't, you got all this other stuff. And that's why it, gets, it feels so painful and it feels so hard is because you got four different departments that you're dealing with when you got a breakdown. The breakdown is only the beginning, 90% of the time. Does that communicate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what are you getting out of that? Well, you know, I I certainly agree with the the, the big picture of it. Um, yes. And and it occurs to me that there are certainly lots of different gradients of it. Like yes, as as long as the flat tire occurs in such a way that you can pull well over on the shoulder, you know, I, unless it's in the middle of a blizzard or something, I, I don't really think that I'm going to be, have a concern about physical safety. Mm-hmm. I, I might have, you know, some, some twinge about not getting to where we were going, but mm-hmm. um, I don't feel as though I would be really invested in the whole safety security thing in that circumstance. However, I probably have not, been aware. Well, of course, I have no, no, probably about it. I have not been aware of the incredible importance of success mm-hmm. to my partner and how this occurs as lack of success. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I will be uh, shortly, man. Give me about uh, 45. I'm, I'm on a call. Um, that's, <laughs> he hears me talking. There's a meeting downstairs and I'll be down in the meeting so I'll finish with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't train him to leave me alone when I'm talking on the phone. You know. <laughs> so, oops. All right. So anyhow, um, so that's a that's a you know a, a flat tire. That's not mm-hmm. you know somebody drove their car into the side of the house. That's not. Um, you yeah, know, which you, is you a slightly bigger catastrophe. Yeah. Yes, that's not. He lost his paycheck on the way, and somebody stole y'all's credit cards. You know, it's not, um, you know, not he had a car accident and he's in, you know, in the hospital or he's in a car accident and he came out fine, but now you got to go buy a new car and it might take six weeks for the six to eight weeks for the insurance to pay it off or whatever you got to do. So, like, right. breakdowns, right? of course, there's, mm-hmm. you know, various gradients, as you said, of breakdowns. Um, and the question is, how do you handle those breakdowns? Mm-hmm. That issue. And so um, you... You know, 
the breakdowns is the business side of the relationship. Right. And, and so the breakdown is you got to be as unemotional about it as possible, which is a challenge because if it comes as a shock, as a surprise, then you're worried about are you prepared. And so if you're not really prepared, that's fine because you cannot prepare for everything. But what you can yeah. do mm-hmm. is you could create an agreement, a series of agreements on how to handle shock surprises and things of that nature. I'm pretty good Which, with all that. Great. You might be with a guy that you love adorably and he's not as great as you, or you have some, you both can be great, but you do it differently. And so you got to come mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you're great. <laughs> so this, then this section is going to be, you know, pretty easy for you, but uh, I, I think I still have at least one gift for you that you're not prepared for, uh, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so the only three things that can keep, structural breakdowns from negatively impacting relationships are the following. And I'm pretty sure you understand, you, you're pretty good at all of this stuff. Making agreements, planning, and commitment. Now, it's interesting because most people, they don't really get how this applies to a relationship. I mean, they hear it, but when it's looking at a relationship, they usually don't do the work that it, call, that it requires to make this kind of thing happen. So. Um, I think this is going to be easy for you, um, but at the same time, let me just read it to you. Okay. Uh, making agreements on who does what and when, like I was saying earlier, is critical to maintaining workability and reducing or completely eliminating structural or other breakdowns because this is where trust, credibility, and partnership gets created and developed. After making an agreement, maintaining that agreement is paramount to the relationship, even if breakdowns do occur. Because although we can't foresee the future, we know our partner cares about us, their word, and can be trusted to do what they say they're going to do. Mm-hmm. The biggest agreement a couple can make is a philosophical agreement around how to approach structural issues and how to handle the business side of the relationship. So um, I once read a book called Million Dollar Consulting. Uh And in the book, he talks about, he's got this concept called bulletproof proposals. He's got a whole book on that whole thing. Chapter nine is worth the price of the book by itself. And bottom line is he teaches you how to have an interview with a potential client so that you and the client are on the same page about the problem about what the solution will look like, you know, what, what it would be the ideal solution, and then you get a chance to, uh, uh, to, to choose how to deliver on that solution, but you have to both agree on what the problem is, what the solution is, what the solution will look like, and the benefit of that solution, and he calls that conceptual or philosophical agreement. And because you understand what, needs to, what the results are, you have plenty of different ways to produce those results but if you understand how y'all are working, that you're working on the same goal together, then it allows you, the consultant, to be powerful in producing that result and maintaining the relationship, not just that time, but two or three projects down the road, like mm-hmm. you're thinking from the fourth sale rather than the first. And the same applies to romantic relationships. So you want to say, okay, that's why. You see, right here is why it's so important for you and your partner to have the same 
highest aspirations for a relationship. Because yeah. that's the philosophical agreement that you're making. And then you just look at how you're going to fulfill on that philosophical or conceptual agreement. Because at yeah. your core, you're already in agreement. So any agreements that show up inside of your relationship is going to be grounded in this first original conceptual agreement. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. And then planning. Uh, planning is pretty simple. and um, you know, Planning keeps shock and surprise from creating emotional turmoil. We can't prevent breakdowns from happening, but we can be mentally and emotionally prepared for the unexpected or undesired. So, you know, you'll, you'll do your financial planning. You know, you'll do your, you know, who's doing what. And you don't have to write it down, but as long as people know who's doing what and when, you know, we, you know your, your conceptual and your philosophical agreements, then when things happen, you get a sense of who's going to jump in to do what and, and who needs to help and whatever the case may be. But planning, ongoing planning, you know, insurance, things of that nature, you know, the business side of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So you want to at least be aware that these things are possible to happen or, you know, know that it can be handled should something happen. Nobody can handle tsunami. We ain't figured that one out yet, right? But who are you going to be mm-hmm. in the face of a tsunami is, you know, the really how you want to, like, approach planning, approach the agreements, approach this whole area of structure. Because, again, there's going to be things that happen in life that you're just not going to be able to handle. Like you just, you know, a train wreck. You, you can't do What are you going to do about a train wreck besides hope you don't get hit by it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm saying these big things, but, you know, there's small things that are just as unstoppable. You know, a, a uh, you know financial crash, right, of the of the economy. It's mm-hmm. like how you can handle these things, and of course, if you can handle those things, then the things that 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 are within your control will be a lot simpler to deal with. And as a, a landmark graduate, I will just say that this is the area when you want to bring empty and meaningless to it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like totally, you know. Uh, it's particularly. You know, if your husband, if your boyfriend isn't capable of it or is just learning how to be bring empty and meaningless, you need to bring empty and meaningless so he can maintain his relationship to success. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, you don't add to his desire or another part of his goal for uh, another thing he needs to accomplish in order to feel successful. He's already successful with you. Make sense? That's great, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's... Um... Yeah. An expression, I think it's from the wisdom curriculum. This is the way life looks when it's working. Uh, yes, that is a wisdom distinction. I haven't heard that one in a while, but yep. It's the way life looks like when it's working, exactly. Yeah, and and however it's working, whether it's in breakdown or not, it's still working. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I, I actually got a distinction this year about this, that everything is perfect but nothing's flawless. Well, that's good, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they talk about the spokes of a tire. It's coming out of the tire, so it's lacking integrity. It's mm-hmm. actually really not lacking integrity. It's lacking workability. But it's okay. perfect. It's perfect because that's how tires look when you take two spokes out of the wheel. That's true. It's perfectly the way it's designed to be when it's missing two spokes. Mm-hmm, doesn't mm-hmm. work, but it's perfectly within, the, you know, like humans are young, humans are middle age, you humans are old, right? We we go through the stages. We're perfectly at the age we're at, 
you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like everything's perfect, nothing's flawless. Mm-hmm. And so, if you can understand and really relate to life being perfect, and it's not flawless, but it's perfect at the stage that it's at, the rise and fall of all of life, so that you have constant creativity. Because if things stay permanent, how are you going to create it? It's got to mm. fall apart or you got to do something else in order to recreate, to create something new. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's why life is perfect and it's not flawless. We make mistakes, but we make the kind of mistakes only we can make because it's part of our design. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and if more people knew that, they'd be a lot less upset <laughs> because it's like... You know, within the realm of anger, lots of things are possible. Within the realm of love, lots of things are possible, you know? Yeah, and the, the um, probable causes of upset from the communications curriculum is, is just golden, too. Like, if I'm upset, I need to ask myself, is there a thwarted intention? Is there an unmet expectation? Is there an undelivered communication? And that covers just about everything. Yeah, usually, well, it's funny, because usually when you get one, you can count on the other two is floating around there somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, they actually, they delivered that in my landmark form. I took my remembrance well um, in 1999. I really got, wow. <laughs> that was uh, that was heavy for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyhow. All right, so that was planning, and then the next thing is commitment. And so I talked about um Making agreements, planning, and commitment. And commitment, they're all equally important. I mean, they're, they're like all critical. So anyhow, uh, commitment supports and ensures that the first two items will be taken care of regardless of circumstances within the realm of what's possible for human beings. Like I said, can't handle tsunamis. But you can at least understand that you have the commitment to take care of each other in the face of a tsunami. Mm-hmm. which is why commitment supports things that you, when you can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Pe- people who are committed can move mountains. People who can move mountains can be trusted to make things up in the face of breakdowns that weren't even thought of before the breakdown. Mm-hmm. They also operate as someone in charge of their own destiny, the opposite of a victim of circumstances. Yeah. In addition, commitment communicates love to those on the receiving end of that commitment. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. I wanted. It sounded like you was like being with it. I didn't want to interrupt it. You know. Mhm. So, the things that need structural support. I got a list. Uh, this list is not. Um, finite. This list is uh, feel free to add stuff. I'll just say that for before you get started. So here's mm-hmm. some of the things that need, need structural support. Money, health and fitness, sex, timing or synchronicity, harmony even, uh, housekeeping, food, sleep, social circles, education, entertainment, activities, dating and romance, physical items such as home, cars, clothes, etc. Feel free to add to this list as it comes up for you, uh, both now and in the future. And um, 
what I was going to say about this. Um, the great thing about this program is that it helps people to actually keep dating in place once they understand dating. This is not going to teach you how to understand dating per se. I got a program for that. But this will teach you how to keep the relationship thrilling, you know, after once it's actually up and running. And, you know, also how to see if somebody's capable of it because as you're looking at the men you're dealing with and you can see these things either in or you can see these things missing, it helps you to decide or select, you know, what works about that person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but this is the stuff that makes you happy for decades, the stuff we talk about right here. So, okay. So now, the biggest impact of structural breakdowns it's bigger than even what I said about how it handles all of this stuff. It gets in the, in the way of everything. Is that it impacts both men and women where it hurts them the most. <laughs> Structural breakdowns make men feel unsuccessful and make women feel unsafe and insecure. It goes right to the heart of what matters most to each of us in the most negative of ways. Mm-hmm. It makes it an emotional drain on the relationship. In addition, Structural workability doesn't add to the quality of relationships, but structural unworkability takes away from the quality of relationships. It surely does, yes. It, it's just like having a referee. You don't know if the referee's doing a great job, a Hall of Fame referee, you never know his name. Mm. <laughs> the mm-hmm, minute mm-hmm. you know his name, the only reason why you know his name is he messed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Everyone, um, yeah, um, Everyone expects things to work, so we don't get extra points for things going as planned. Very few of us thank God every day for oxygen, but it would be an immediate and possibly permanent breakdown if there was no oxygen. Yeah, Structural breakdowns, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Structural breakdowns have the same impact on relationships. Structural workability is to relationships what operations is to a business. Mm-hmm. Without it, mm-hmm. how, without it, how can you expect it to run? Really, you know? Yeah. So um, that's, you know, the overall stuff, and I can hear that 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 makes sense to you. You're used to it. You get it. I got it. All of that. And mm-hmm. um, I wanted to communicate that. And so now we're going to talk about how to how to manage the uh, agreements and how to manage your uh, operations, your structures. So okay. uh, that was quick. Jeez. Uh, I like working with you. <laughs> <laughs> My hour and a half calls that usually take two hours with most people is going to be like an hour with you. It's unbelievable. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that, that's what I had said the last time. I, I, actually, I didn't even I didn't send it. I'm not going to say it. And then I wrote the first part of my email to you, and um, that's one of the things I said was that, oh, we had till from 8.30 to 10. We was done at 9.25. Like, wow. Okay, <laughs> that's all good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good, good, good. All right, great. So, uh, so each section, each each uh, area that I cover, each session has both what's what's the problem and how to handle the problem. And so, how to handle structural breakdowns is you have to consciously create your relationship. Yeah, Most, early on you said uh, I'm creating you, creating me, or something like that. Yeah. 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 So um, you have to consciously create the relationship. You don't have to. People have figured out how to be an amazing relationship, but the but the relationship is conscious. They just have it. They just did it by accident and kind of fell into it, and you know let the relationship grow, make them grow up and be mature and all that stuff. And so, 
their their commitment was more to making the the marriage work than it was to being right or being smart or being happy even. And so, um, um, everything I talk about in this program, if I talk to you know twenty married couples that have been married at least thirty years, you know what they're gonna say, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, I never said it like that before. Oh yeah, we do that. We just don't do it that. I swear to God, everything here they're gonna mm-hmm. be like, yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. yep. So, but they don't have the language to tell it because you can tell because, you know, they may have three kids that there's all been, you know, divorced twice. They didn't learn from mom and dad, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so anyhow, consciously um, creating relationships. In order to do this effectively, one would need to be on top of a number of things. One, to be able to predict the reactions of your partner as well as yourself for the most part. I mean, not Oh, perfect, boy. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I got to really send you that list. Uh, I think you was writing them down anyhow, but still, you you, you deserve it, you know, uh, because those are the places where they go ugly. And so you need to know when, how, and what's going to have them go, go ugly, you know, it's yourself as well as them. So, for example, if you notice that a body massage, but also the good parts too. So if you happen to notice that a body massage makes your partner happy, depending on how happy it makes them, use it to the fullest benefit of the relationship. In other words, when the happiness will contribute the most to the relationship, such as when they cannot get out of a bad mood, making up after an upset, or as foreplay before the real play. Spontaneous acts of generosity, affection, and service work really well, too. So you okay. want to see what makes, what makes them feel great as well as what makes them get triggered. And, and either learn how to communicate in ways that has them not get triggered even though you got to deliver some uncomfortable communication, or look at how you could reduce the amount of time that they're in breakdown by doing something. And I'll talk more about that in the last session about bringing them back. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, but um, you're going to get a structure that's going to allow you to um, make this happen as well. So, um, so anyhow, that's the first thing you need to be able to predict the reactions of yourself and your partner you know, pretty much, not perfectly, but, you know, reliably. Then, two, you have to know and understand what both you and your partner needs in order to be happy and function well both in and out of the relationship. Said another way, you need to know what you and your partner need so well that their life is better because you're in it than if you weren't. Uh-huh. And I'm going to give you some a tool to be able to work on that, so I just want to put that in there so you can get it, and then I'll show you how to, you can do that. Uh, consciously play, pay close attention to your main two love languages and the love languages of your partner. That will tell you tons of how to take care of and predict how they'll react to things in the relationship. Because if you give them their love language, they're going to be like, oh, it's going to seem so natural. <laughs> it, really, it, does, it, it is that, you know, like, it's like when you just got finished having sex. It's that is that kind of joy. Like, uh-huh. well, yeah, you, you, you get it. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then consciously pay close attention to what works and doesn't work in your interactions with your partner. This means you need to view your partner as a permanent part of your life. You need to view your partner as children view their parents. They ain't going anywhere. And you'll always mm-hmm. have them in your life, no matter what. A large part of this can be managed inside of understanding 
um, there are no back doors. Yeah. There's got to be a relationship, especially marriage. There's no back doors. You ain't going nowhere. Screw that. Sorry. Get mad all you want. We're still here. I'll be here when you stop being mad. <laughs> you know, like that. If you can, <laughs> yeah, you got to, I'll be here when you're done. If you cannot feel that way about your partner, it's only a matter of time um, before the relationship dissolves. You know, if you got a backdoor in your mind, it ain't going to work. All right. Yeah. Next. Next. Another critical thing is to recognize the impact your ways of being, speaking, and acting are having on your partner and the relationship. This means you'll have to be fully responsible for how things are going and emotionally strong enough to look yourself in the mirror and tell the truth about who you've been being at least eventually, if not sooner. <laughs> you might not get it right, but as soon as you get it, you need to be straight, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, best, the best way to accomplish this is to be objective, open-minded, and curious. The last thing you want to be being is closed-minded, skeptical, or judgmental because those mindsets blind you to reality an attempt to force reality to align with your way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Because mm-hmm. the creator is not going to be, you're going to be like, oh, <laughs> you think that's how it's going? No, it's not. <laughs> Men make plans and God laughs, right? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I got I to gotta share with you a story real quick about this last piece here, about being present to the impact your way of being has on your partner and the relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, after the World Trade Center incident, um, I was dating a woman, you know, while while I was still working in the, in the landmark. And uh, after the World Trade Center incident, um, I worked there in the World Trade Center. She worked on uh, Canal Street in Manhattan, uh, where we both took the PATH train in from Jersey City, which stopped us in the World Trade Center. So she was on the last PATH train that took us to um, uh, New York. And then she ended up, I met her later on that night, like 9, 10 o'clock that night, because it was fast traffic and transportation was terrible. Anyhow, mm-hmm. bottom line is, you know, uh, about a month later, I stopped working for Landmark. And, you know, a few weeks after that, I moved to North Carolina. A friend of mine had a house down there. He's like, come on down here, man. I know what's up with you and all of that. So I went down there, got a job, and I didn't want to break up with my girlfriend. She was like, you know, oh, well. You know, now you're moving down there. I guess it's the end of the relationship. Like, are you crazy? What the hell is that about? I'm like, get out of here. Anyhow, uh, moved down there, got a job, was, you know, calling her every day or every other day at the least, at the most, maximum every other day. And uh, she finally moved down in January. I moved down there the end of October. Got a place, got a job. Everything was nice. And then she came down, and then um, I started um, uh, controlling her. <laughs> uh, I started micromanaging her, telling her how to fix the house and, you know, we need to be doing things this way, that way, and the other way. I'm the smart guy. I did landmark. I was a staff member. Come on. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, right. Exactly, right. Good so, um, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> wait to hear the rest of this story. So um, one of the things that used to bother me, it didn't bother me so much when we was in New York, in, in Jersey City, but it bothered me so much when she came down there because it was really just me, her, my friend and his wife, who I knew before they was, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I knew them. Um, and those were really the only three people I had in my life down there. I made friends. Mm-hmm. I, think they, I made friends when I got down there. Those three are the only three people I had that was already friends, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I started telling her how to fix the house. If I'm, a, I'm a type of person. My house would be Spartan. Hers would be 
you know, uh, uh, gadgety and lots of stuff, knickknacks all over mm-hmm. the place, you know. Yeah, yeah. So there was, you know, conflict of operations, I would say. Right? So um, she brought her furniture down and all of that. And and um, I would get to a point where I'd be either talking too strong or something, and she would shut up. She would clam up. She wouldn't want to, con- con- you know, contribute in that conversation. And so as far as I was concerned, she was withholding, but she don't know the distinction with holding. Well, she was withholding, but, she, you know, it was pissing me off because I can't handle being in a relationship with my woman is withholding. That don't work. Anyhow, uh, you know, twice I got into a shouting match with her. Oh, not a shouting match. I started shouting at her. And, you know, she got worried. And I did not know about the distinction safety and security, believe me. Oh, didn't uh-huh. So um, I didn't even think I was – I didn't even think about coaching at that time. I was just trying to make a living, you know. Um, anyhow, um, one day, the third time she shut, clammed up, I got so pissed off I started screaming at her, and then I kicked um, her chair. She had a uh, leather recliner. Because um, we had a living room that was like the divider between the living room and the kitchen was the carpet, you know. So we put the chair there to help make a semi boundary between the living room and, and the uh, kitchen. And uh, I was talking with her, I was screaming at her, I was yelling at her, I was pissed because she wasn't talking to me. What the hell's wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. And I kicked her chair, but I kicked a hole in her chair. Mm. Kicked a, fo- a foot, a, you know, a full foot size hole in the back of her leather chair. And so from that point until she, until, you know, oh, oh, forever, the the back of the leather chair had a strip hanging out where my foot was at. Mm-hmm. So when she's cooking in the kitchen, her, and this is, by the way, her favorite chair. This is not just something, you know what I mean? This is her favorite thing. She sits in it like it's a bed, you know. And, um, and so she clammed up. She got real silent. Her face, her whole body being has changed. And so for the next few few weeks, a couple of weeks, she wasn't hardly talking to me. She was nice, but she wasn't, like, she was so distant. It was, like, crazy. And when, she, when her body changed, I thought maybe, you know, she's now she really understands how important it is not even to talk to me, you know, like that, right? But, but for the next two weeks, I think we had sex one time, and I felt like I was pushing a wet noodle. You know, as they say in network marketing, can't push a wet noodle. And so one day... Uh, I only walked uh, a seven-minute walk from the job. That's where I lived at. So I walked home for lunch, and uh, I'm hearing music, and I think, you know, I was getting ready to open the door, and something said, look in the window. And I looked in the window, and she was dancing up a storm, this enthusiastic person that I had first met that was happy and all of this stuff. She's singing, Sade, cooking and dancing in the kitchen and, like, having a good old time. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, where's she been? That's the girl I thought. That's the woman I thought I had. Where's she at? I'm excited now, right? I knock on the window, and, you know, she jumped because, you know, she got scared because, like, where's the sound coming from? And then all of a sudden she saw it was me, and she went back immediately to the other chick that was, like, the way. Mm. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, I did that. And I knew I couldn't do nothing about it. I didn't think so much about the hole in the chair until much, much later. I knew whoever I was at, the yelling, the this, the that. I was like, damn. And so uh, within the next two weeks, she moved out. And, you know, we had a brief conversation. You know, she wasn't doing that much talking, but she was definitely annoyed at me. And what she said to me, famous last words, and never forget this. She said, I came down here from Jersey City. She didn't say from Jersey City to North Carolina, but that's the way it was, right? She said, I came down here because of you, and now I'm leaving because of you. Ugh. 
that was a spear in the chest. I didn't even fight it. I didn't resist it. But I was like, I really wanted this relationship to work. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't clear. I wasn't clear about the impact my way of being has on others. And so I, for the next 18 months, I was meditating, praying, you know, looking at reviewing my life and how can I do that and who else did I do and that too and all of that stuff, right? So then, you know, I finally came back to New York in, uh, um, in 2004. That's when I did Wisdom. I got in the core supervisor body because I felt lonely. Uh, I got in the core supervisor body at Landmark because I felt lonely because I was a former staff member. I was important here at Landmark. I felt important. I was, like, valuable. People could see who I was. So I wanted to go back where people could see who I am, you know? And so I got in the core supervisor body in my second course. Um, there was, uh, you know, they was asking at the end of the day who, you know, how was your day? You know, we want to debrief. And so, uh, you know, one of the guys I was sitting next to, he says, you know, it was okay, but I felt like I was being micromanaged. And she said, really? Oh. She said, really, by who? And then he pointed at me. He didn't even look at me. He just pointed at me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was shocked. That's when I realized I was a micromanager. And see, the thing that shocked me about this was I had went through the chair thing, prayed, meditated, and I just was determined I was never going to do this again. But what I learned from that particular conversation is that um, I am a micromanager, but I also did not know that I never managed managers before that time. Mm. So I know how to manage people, but I never managed managers. So how do I make managers do good with what they're doing with their people is I was I was bypassing the production supervisor to manage her people. Mm. By the end of the course, I realized there's a difference between managing people and managing their boss, which is mm-hmm. what I end up doing. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because I, inside of that, I realized that I could never take my eyes off of how I'm treating people ever again. Like, I consider myself a reformed micromanager, not a cured micromanager. <laughs> right? And so my purpose in life is to leave people better than I found them. And so I have to, by honoring my commitment, to make sure that the way my way of being has a workable, positive impact on them. And I just wanted, really want to share that so that, you know, you could see that for yourself inside of my share here. Uh, yeah, and I, we, you know, went, you know, in. <laughs> but it's like, you know, when I did that to her, it was in 2002, when I did that to him, after all of that mourning and, and self-examination, I did that to him, it was 2005. So it's like, oh, maybe I ain't really got cured of this thing here. And so ever since then, it's important for me personally, to make sure that people feel safe around me. And I think that's probably my only real fear um, is to, like, be somebody that people don't feel safe saying what they got to say. Because for me, for me, it's like I never know if they know something that we both need me to know too. Ah. Uh. Oh, that's a really you know I mean? good way to say it, Tony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They might know something, but they're keeping it from me. But we both need me to know so I can use that to take care of both of us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they don't feel like they don't feel safe enough saying that. Like that's 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 I don't know if that's the height of safety, of of freedom, of of self expression, but it's right up there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's important that I be that way, and I'm clear about that for myself. But that's because I'm so present to how important it is to 
leave people better than I found them, to take care of people, to leave them like, oh, my God, as much as I possibly can. I may not Uh be able to do that. They may be super pissed, and maybe I can get them to be, instead of super pissed, just really pissed. That's better than super pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, you know, I'll take the the best way I can do it. So I really, you know, want to drive in the being present to the impact your way of being has on others. And, you know, if you see anything for yourself inside of that, you know, go for it. Anything you want to say about that before I move on? I I don't know how to how to do that except to ask for feedback. Well, great place to start. Great place to start. So I'm going to give you a bonus, extra bonus is an extra bonus. Mm-hmm. So um, I use my um, uh, one of my secret ingredient skill sets as a coach. Mm-hmm. Something called um, something called mental modeling, and I learned it from this guy Peter Sange. He's another consultant. And okay. bottom line is, yeah, he um, you know he talk he talks about how to hear what people are not saying. How by hearing what they're not saying, how their world looks to them, the worldview that they have. So if you're familiar familiar with him, you should take on practice in mental modeling, read the distinction in the book, practice it, you know, know, because when he does this exercise called the left-hand column, oh, my God, he does it in the book. It's like if you really take it on, you'll be permanently altered by that one exercise. Like, oh, I can hear what they're really saying now or what they're not saying, actually. Uh, so that will help you to be able to determine um, how you're leaving, you know, people. Okay. The impact of your way of being has on us, because they won't tell you. It's funny. I think, I, I don't know if I shared this with you, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was with one of my, it was two of us, one of my friends on my men's team, we went to go get something to eat and dinner. And um, two of us understand, you know, women a lot, and the other one is struggling to understand women. He got a new girlfriend. And I was trying to get him to see that his commitment is to be is to be successful. And we tried, both of us tried to ask the questions, to twist the questions around, to get him to see. He, we could not get him to say successful. <laughs> we couldn't get him to, he couldn't wrap his brain around it, even though he kept saying it. Mm-hmm. And so when we finally we finally said it, he was like, "Oh yeah, hilarious." <laughs> but if you don't have the language for how you feel and how your designed, then it's hard for you to understand the design of other people. And he's one of those guys that don't know who he is, but, man, that was, that was, that was hilarious and painful at the same time. So the understanding of um, mental modeling will help you uh, to be able to, to do that. You don't need it, but it'll speed it along and make it quicker. Okay. So that's my extra tip there. Thank you. All right, the last of the – so I'll give you uh, five uh, elements. I'll say what they are. I'll get real quickly, and then the sixth, and then I'll go into the big part of this whole thing. So the first thing is you need to be able to predict the uh, actions and reactions of your partner as well as yourself for the most part. Um, second is to know how and understand how both you and your uh, partner needs – what you and your, both, and your partner needs to be happy and to function well in and out of the relationship. That's the second thing. The third thing is to pay close attention to your main two love languages and your partners. Uh, fourth is to uh, pay attention to what works and doesn't work. Um, well, really, there's no back doors. 
number four. Uh, number five is to pay attention to the impact your way of being has on your partner, being, acting, and speaking. Um, yeah, you need to be able to be straight with yourself about how you're being with them and, and look at it. Take responsibility for how they're feeling and how they're speaking and acting with you. you know, because they talk, they talk, listen, speak, and act to others differently than they do you. So you want to be paying attention to that. And then the last critical element, you need to keep present and be responsible for is the fact that you love your partner. You cannot forget that you love your partner. It's what's it's what you've always wanted and will always want. You've got to keep that present. So I'm going to give you another uh, uh, analogy about commitment because this is commitment, committing to reminding yourself, to remembering yourself what um, you are, um, you know, that you love your partner. And it's more than just the no back door. It's like you love your partner. You can't forget that even when you're pissed. So I was um, in the TNLP, and I was the Team 1 leader. The fourth quarter, Team 1. You did Team, is that correct or not? I did. I did Team 1. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So I was a Team 1 leader. And two weeks in, the second weekend after coming back, we had a communication power to create. And I was the assistant course manager. And the course manager, was given me as a woman, she gave me such a hard time. I wanted to kill her. And I couldn't do anything because she was beating me up. She didn't think I should have been a team one leader. So that was the main reason why she was abusing me, basically. And I couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> so, so anyhow, um, I was so upset that the course leader, that was Ellen Chavez. I don't know if you know who she is. No. Um, this is, she's, a, she's a course leader from, from Toronto. She's all Canadian. Anyhow, she was there, and, you know, I, I was relating to her, like, big time because I needed all the support and coaching I can get from anybody, really, that could actually do that. Anyhow, she got kind of fed up with me being the way I was being, especially as a team one leader, and she sent somebody a note. She wrote, she wrote a note and told somebody to send me this note, and the note said, tell Tony he's got to get off it. He's got 10 minutes to get off it, or I'm sending him home, or he's going home. And I'm like, I am the team one leader. I am not going home. If I go home now, I've just lost. I just, I just cashed in. I just um, destroyed team one leader as listening of me. Can't do it. Can't go. I don't care what. Can't go. Uh, how do I get off it? <laughs> so I went. I went to the central office and I sat down and I'm still over here meditating. Like I got, I got I'm the team one leader. I got to take care of the team. That's what I'm thinking. It wasn't even really about me. It's like if they can't listen to me, I can't take care of the team. That's the way I was really coming from around it. That was my real commitment, but I didn't know it at the time. So the uh, center manager for Toronto happened to be in the building that weekend. And uh, the quarter before, I was a team one expansion accountable, and my committed colleague was out of Toronto. And we, I think we registered like six or seven people for the whole quarter to, to join team, and they, mm-hmm. signed up, they signed up 25 people in their power to create. I was stunned. Wow. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> he told me about it. It was awesome. So she came in the, in the center, and I said to her, um, man, that was, like, like unbelievable. So um, so when she came in the center office, I, I acknowledged her. I said, hey, you know, I, you know, I, I know who you are, and I'm, 
acknowledge you for being a, a, the type of center manager that's declaring for having 25 people register, right? He said, oh, thank you. She said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm sitting here because um, Ellen told me that I have uh, 10 minutes to get off it, and I only got six minutes left. <laughs> that's what that sentence. She said, wow, you know, I really got this. She giggled a little bit, but not like, it, it just sounded so funny, it's kind of hard not to laugh, you know? Mm-hmm. She said, wow, I really got that. She said, so so what are you committed to? As soon as she said that. But I was free, and I was annoyed because, like, why well, I figure this out sooner? Or I was also annoyed, like, ah, could, it, could it really be that, that just that simple? And what I got present to was I was more committed to the uh, people in the course and even the course manager winning than me being upset and trying to straighten her out and making her wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Happened instantly. And from that point forward, I remember, I realized that as long as you can remember what you're truly committed to, then you can be free and you can be responsible and you can take actions that you would not normally take if you weren't going there, you know what I mean? So I wanted to stress that. And um, if you remember what you're committed to, it kills all other upsets. You want to get out, your house is, all, your house is burning, you ain't thinking about your, your bankruptcy. You're like, I got to get out of this house. <laughs> so yeah, remember, exactly. remember, right, so you have it that you, you love your partner that way. Of course, you want to find somebody you could love that way. But once you do, you you don't you can't give up the commitment if you expect the relationship to work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just want to like really stress that. All right, great. So now that I said those things, here's what we're gonna get. This is one of my favorite things in the world. I have created something called a relationship charter. It is uh how many sections? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Well, really eleven sections. And um, I created this charter um, as an extension of what I call a personal life charter. And so when I was working at Landmark, you know, you, 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 you know, read your, the, at the time, Landmark Education's 2020 charter, right? You read it before you mm-hmm. started. Yeah. You come to the system, you read it, right? So I was reading that. And I actually kind of like living from that, but I didn't want to live by Landmark thing. Screw that. No, no, no. So I was like, so I, I don't know where else to go, but let me see. Let me think about it. Okay, who else, what other documents is as powerful or more so than that? Oh, the Declaration of Independence. So I went and bought a book. I read and studied, you know, the, the, the Declaration, and I used those two documents to create what I call now a personal life charter. And the personal life charter is one half of a relationship charter. So I'm going to tell you what this is, and I have to send this to you. I can't, you can't, like, I can tell it to you, but... You want you want the document. Mm-hmm. So, here's the areas that you're going to um, look at for yourself: who you are, like identifying yourself. You know who you are as a principle, even more so than a possibility. Like you know who you are, because who you are as a principle is your standard of measure for yourself. It's like you're using this to compare who you are to yourself. Like it's your quality control tool, so to speak. Well, no, it's your quality control tools, not so to speak. <laughs> um, your mission, uh, what you intend to accomplish in your life. Your purpose is why you want to accomplish it. That's three things. Next, the principles that guide your life. So it would be, you know, it might be love, it might be, you know, wisdom, it might be power, it might be clarity, whatever it is, you want to use those. And define them, whether you want to use the dictionary definition or your own. 
you want to define them because, again, those are going to be your compass, your your uh, quality control tools for managing your life and being who you mm-hmm. say you're going to be. Right? Then you want to create your focus. And what I mean by focus is, like, the way you choose to see life. So um, when I first discovered this for myself, I um, my focus in life is, it was five short words that I know the creator gave me because I never would have thought this up myself. But my focus is how I want to look at life. And so how I look at life, my, my choice of looking at life is um, taking the high road, fully aware, expanding comfort zones, being transparent, holding the space of love. If mm-hmm. I tell anybody that, <laughs> yeah, that's how I choose to look at life. That's my filter. You can actually choose your own life filter. Yeah, that's rich, Tony. Yeah. And so anybody that hears me say that and then they watch me, they will know that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, I, 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 it's so automatic for me now. And it ain't always 100% there, but it's automatic. You know, like Michael Jordan hit it, didn't hit every shot, right? But <laughs> he was killing it, right? So yeah. that's, like my, that's like my focus. And so, you know, I've got definitions for this in the chart as well. Um, and then your a vivid description of your life, meaning a vivid description of, like, how life occurs to you. So it's one thing to how to see it, but it's another thing to how it receives it, how, how you receive your, your life. So a vivid description would be, like, what's it like being me to some degree? Um, it doesn't have to be long. You know, it could be, you know, like um, – um, um, a mantra, you know, or a uh, marketing, you know, phrase to describe you and your life. But um, what's the experience of being yourself? What's the experience of being, yeah, what's the experience of being yourself in your life inside of your charter? Uh, and the reason why I'm saying you want to do your own charter is because you ain't got a partner to do yours with, but you're still going to need to do yours in order to do a relationship charter. You got to do yours first. So um, then the next is um, what your um, finances look like, what your family life looks like, what your home life looks like, and what your, uh, let me see, I said finances, home, uh, relationships, and health, mm-hmm. or whatever other thing you want to put in. But you want to, like, get a basic vision of what your life looks like. And, you know, you write it up so that it's experiential not like a checklist. And then um, after that, you're going to also put down the hatch you wear in life. So, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a, you know, employee, I am, you know, a student, you know, whatever, right, a sister. You want to put all those things down. But, you know, also your tool, your skill set. You know, I'm an artist, you know, a bike rider, whatever. So you want to put all those down as much as possible because that's who you are. So you want to at least have it, you know, communicated, um, um, distinguished for yourself on, in paper. Um, and, you know, because part of it is that this is something that, that will remind you of who you are when you need it most. Mm-hmm. Then, um, um, then you want to have the tools you have, the tools you have. So your tools could be communication. It could be, you know, learning. It could be writing, whatever the tools that you use, you know, for, uh, for your own personal development and, and living your life. So you write that out. And then, uh, then last but last but least is you would create um, a bucket list. 
anything else that you would want to have accomplished doesn't even have to be realistic. You know, I had one woman I was helping her. She said she wanted to have sex with 100 different guys at the same time. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. That you can even tell me that. That would be one of her bucket lists, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, she's If she hasn't done it by now, she ain't never going to do it. But when she told me that about 15 years ago, I was, I was really actually impressed with her honesty more than, than that number, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, it could be you want to be an eight-foot-tall, four-armed basketball player, right? It doesn't matter. So, you, you know, you want to put it there because it's like it's in you anyhow. So withholding it ain't going to help you none. Okay. You know, it's like a way of freeing yourself. So, you know, it could be that you want to be fully enlightened in this lifetime or you want to live to be 150 years old. That's two of mine. Don't know if it's going to happen. I'm giving my best, you know. Um, so you want to put that down. And then, you know, if you have any other last thoughts, you feel free to do it because it's yours. I'm just giving you the structure. And you can alter the structure, but I advise you to use it that way. I will send you that. But that's going to be your charter because that's going to be the basis for your relationship charter because when you finally do get your partner, and by the way, this relationship charter is your uh, conceptual philosophical agreement Mm -hmm. out of a relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. It's the business side of the relationship, but it's also a tool that will uh, nurture your heart, you know, beyond measure because you will understand who you are for them, who they are for you, that's part of the relationship charter itself. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll create, you'll take the best of what you all have to, to bring to each other, what you have to offer and who you are, and make it, like, stunning as opposed to accidentally fumbling across this kind of stuff. My first marriage, <laughs> my first marriage I did not know until long after we were divorced. I, I, well, I had already done the ILP at least once by the time I re- realized Oh, we had at least three things in common. We were, well, I knew we were great parents together. But I also did not know that we worked projects together really well. And um, we were great hosts together. Mm-hmm. And we could have just mm-hmm. done a lot. We could have done that a lot of the time and created, like, great memories around, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I did not know that at the time. So this tool here that I'm giving you and will give you is designed to help you recognize those things right away. So you can actually start doing those things together. And then you can see the greatness in each other and start taking advantage of the greatness of each other or boosting, boosting the greatness in the other one mm-hmm. or whatever. Design your life around who you really are. That's what this tool is about. Okay. Okay. Uh, again, this is um, just a guide. You know, if you feel like you need to alter it in some way, shape, or form to add something that, you know, is not there, feel free to do that. And um, so today, see, um, today's Wednesday. I'm going to promise that I'm going to get – I have to walk to a, a, an Internet cafe. I'm going to get you this by Saturday because I want you to really, you know, play with this. I can see you, you know, rocking the house with this. So I'm going to send you the relationship charter as well as a personal life charter. When you do the personal life charter, the relationship charter will seem a little bit more organized. You know, it will be simpler for you to do but you won't be able to finish it until you got somebody to do it. You know? Right, right. So, um, and then I'm going to invite you to keep a, you know, keep a blank copy. So whoever you end up being in a relationship with, I don't know, you might go through three relationships before you can finally get somebody that actually it makes sense to do this chart with. You know. Mhm, mhm. Uh, but keep a blank one, you know, available at all times for, um, you know, for the, the, the man that's walking into your life when he comes in. 
And uh, mm. that's the fish. Well, that's amazing. I uh, just want to say that I could hear you say those words without automatically saying, yeah, right. I could actually hear that there might be a man walking into my life that I could create a charter with. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that I've learned over the years, and I can't, you know, um, talk about the timing, I can't predict timing-wise, one of the things I've learned is that you're designed the way you are because there's someone designed to be with you exactly the way you are. Like the creator created your match or a few people that could be a perfect match for you, more than one, because, you know, you got lots of seeds, right? <laughs> All of that stuff. God is like, you know, puts in lots of redundancies and making life work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are there are people that are exactly for you. Last thing I'll leave you with is uh, I remember, I think I told you this, but I'm going to say it again if I did. If I didn't, then, you know, you hear it the first time. Uh, I was walking uh, down um, 33rd Street in Manhattan, walking to go to the subway uh, from Landmark, and it's across the street from Madison Square Garden. Right? I'm walking down the street, and I saw this homeless guy sitting in a chair. Did I tell you this one before? You did. And yeah. somebody He's was sitting... holding his hand, and they were perfectly yeah. happy together. And they were, she was laying on the ground on a piece of cardboard in the summer. They're holding hands. They both sleep. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how they were able to hold hands while they were sleeping, but they were mm-hmm. comfortable. So, yeah. So if they can do it, so can you. <laughs> okay. But, not, but, like, literally, not not like, you know, you know, euphemistically more or, you know, symbolically. No, no, for real. <laughs> for real. So that's what I say. And you're not getting prepared for him. Yeah. Styles like, so. So that's all I got, my dear. Thank you. I will look forward to the template, and I yes. will work with it. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to see how you, what you fill out because I want to oh, see what we, you know when we talk next week. Oh, yeah. This one I want to see. Okay. So, so, this is it. really good, yeah. Tony. Thank you. No, yeah, I'm. I'm just feeling as though it's unfolding at a good pace for me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's all I got. I'm gonna let you go, and um, I'll get it to you by Saturday. I'm gonna say by Saturday noon, because uh, you know you need to have the time to sit down with it, and ask me questions if you you know want to, need to, whatever. So, and this charter is too way too valuable to like just you know blow past it or like that. So, all right. All right. Thank well, you so, again. Talk to you next week. You feel like you need to reach in and reach out and call me, you know, text me, whatever. I'm I'm available, right? Right. That's mm-hmm. And um, right. I'm standing I'm standing for you to have what you need for your life to work. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Got that. Yeah, I got that. Okay. Right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.